Ben Travers at Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. And I hope you guys are having a wonderful day today. Uh, and are you, but are you looking forward to summer at this point? Who knows? It's May. May is always this weird month, I think. Like, you don't know exactly is it summer yet? Is it, we're still technically spring, but everyone's looking towards summer. Kids are on summer vacation already. Some kids, the lucky kids. I mean, we hope. Well, I don't know if I would hope. I'm not a parent yet. Parents probably don't hope that. Yeah. Longer school years. <laughs> Just pe- keep them in pens during during the non-school hours. Are they not in pens already? No, that's the problem. Oh, I, I just assumed that everyone had given up by at this point and just stuck them in a pen. <laughs> but anyways, we're looking for, we, we ourselves are looking forward at the summer the summer TV that's coming towards us way faster, I think, than we need it to. It could take a it, it could take a break. Netflix especially. Find your chill. Stop releasing TV shows. Yeah, good luck with that. That's <laughs> not gonna happen. Remember last Friday when Netflix didn't release a major TV show, and it's like I, I woke up that morning, I felt like I was lighter, fresher, and then I remembered that I have all the other shows coming up that I have to get ready for. And then you remembered that at the end of this month, they're releasing two major shows on the same day. Yeah. Yeah. Both of which you're idiotically agreeing to review. Hey, I'm all about it. I'm ready. Let's do it. I'm excited. I guess we do have screeners. For most of them, yeah. Anyways, this is very interesting for you guys, I'm sure. But what you're actually interested in is some of our picks for shows that you should actually be looking forward to. And these are new shows, not returning shows. And I think they will... You you, you won't be surprised by some of the ones that we're selecting, just because they reflect, I think, Ben and I's unique taste. But... I can't speak to this. I don't know what yeah. Liz chose. I don't know what you chose. Yeah, so we're doing, I mean, we're doing great. They definitely speak to our unique tastes in that we chose them independent of one another. Yes. So I'm going to make Ben start by what is what is the first list on your show of three shows that you're you're looking forward to this summer? Well, Liz, I know that you love at least one person involved with this new upcoming variety special on NBC, mm-hmm. uh, Maya and Marty, and it, it is Maya, correct? Not. It's, yes. it's Maya. Yeah. Maya there's Rudolph. no other real way to go about that. I mean, there's Maya. Uh, that, that would be wrong. Yeah, okay, right. Maya Rudolph. Okay. Maya Rudolph and Martin Short are, are partnering up for a variety special that is executive produced by Lauren Michaels. Um, they said at the summer NBC press day that the show was basically greenlit off of their chemistry uh, on the SNL 40th anniversary special, which obviously worked out great. They both had a lot of good roles in that uh, in that special, but it's good to see them paired together again. I know Liz is a big fan of Martin Short, and we will get to that very shortly. Oh, uh, boo. <laughs> I hated that joke almost as much as I hate Martin Short. Oh, too cruel, Liz. Uh, but no, like I've, I'm very excited to see what this becomes because they've been very kind of quiet and tight-lipped about what the show is actually going to look like, other than to say there's going to be a lot of guest stars, there will be musical numbers, there will be sketches, um, there will be, I mean, it's a variety show. It's a true variety show. It'll probably be a lot like Maya Rudolph's variety show from 2014. Well, not a lot like it, but it'll have similar things to that because that's just the way she likes to work. And frankly, she is on such a tear right now. She has been so good in so many different things. I mean, even that, uh, that small part that she had in A Very Murray Christmas was an absolute delight. So I, I, I'm really excited to see what she has. Uh, to offer when this show premieres later this month. I believe it's May... Oh, it's May 31st. Now, a question for you. Is it uh, scheduled to be half an hour or an hour? It's an hour. It's an hour show. Okay, that's actually nice. I, I mean, 
Yeah, I, I, I am not a big Martin Short fan. I cannot explain to you why. I just, it's just innate, one of those innate comedian things where it's like, he just rubs me the wrong way. But I do love Maya Rudolph. And I was at that press day and I got to see them interact uh, on stage. And it was just basically like some of the craziest, very funny improv I've seen in a while. Uh, and all it was was Maya Rudolph and Martin Short sitting, on, sitting in chairs on a stage. So actually seeing what they're, what they're capable of in terms of re, with real resources will be amazing. Yeah, it's certainly something that seems a bit like an odd pairing if you just look at it on paper. And you got to remember that chemistry is something that really can't be taught. So if they've got it and, and they're both obviously veterans of this medium, then by all means, let's, let's put it out there and see what they can do. I, I'm really excited for it. Um, I mean, I wish I could tell you more about it, but there's really not a lot to tell at this point. Yeah. So uh, Liz, why don't we go over to you? Your first pick, Summer TV, go. Okay, I'm going to stick with comedy. And I'm specifically picking the t- upcoming TBS comedy, Wrecked. Uh, and the thing about... The, this is a this is a show that doesn't have a lot of star power. And, it, and honestly, it kind of feels odd to me because it, it, essentially the plot of the show is what if Lost was a comedy? And it gets really dark and really kind of like, because it's a brutal life or death survival thing, but with jokes and wacky characters and people making incredibly bad decisions and in, in the wacky comedy way. But also they're all pretty much, they're all trapped on this deserted island with no food and water and they might, they might all die. Um, so it's, it's <laughs> a so very, funny. It's a very weird show, but I watched a few episodes of it just kind of idly and I found myself... I got so into a storyline, which is really funny and really beautifully executed uh, in the third episode. I won't spoil anything, but let's just say uh, it's about, it'll be fun for all you IndieWire movie fans out there. Did I say IndieWire right just then? You did. Good, good for me. That's how we pronounce it. Yes, okay. Uh, But I mean, I like this storyline so much that I ended up pausing it, pausing the screener constantly to turn to Ben and just tell him plot points from it which you were very patient and tolerant of because I'm sure I was mangling them badly. But it was really funny. She did not worry about spoiling things for me. She just enjoyed the moment and, and sharing it, which which was uh, pretty enriching, honestly. But, yeah, I, I mean, beyond that point, which does sound – I mean, it's a good tease, Liz. Um, isn't there a, a big flaw in just the premise of, of kind of turning Lost into a comedy – I mean, it's just not the most timely of subject matters. And if they really wanted to do it with a Damon Lindelof show, I think we both know that The Leftovers is where it's at. The comedy version of The Leftovers. I actually, Carrie Coon made a joke about that when I interviewed her last fall. She was talking about like, oh, season three should be Nora as a sitcom. Like she just goes and starts like working in a shopping mall or something. Oh, that'd be delightful. I I, I remember reading that and thinking, I want to watch that. And I mean, maybe there's a smaller viewership for the people who want to watch the leftovers, you know, uh, national lampoons. The leftovers, but I mean, it would be delightful. It would be a hit. Yes, um, I will. I will say uh, there are a couple of really good actors on the show, like uh, Ginger Gonzaga, who uh, is a, a comedian who uh, just recently did a couple, some, a big work on uh, Togetherness season two. She, uh, she did. She uh, plays. Uh, she played Steve's. This is his character's girlfriend. 
And also Reese Darby from Flight of the Concords has a supporting role. You might remember him better as the Were Monster from Mulder and Scully Meet the Were Monster of the X Files. Yes, <laughs> that's right. Remember we knocked better. out both an X Files reference and a Leftovers reference with one show. We I, are awesome. We're going to try to keep this streak alive. Next week, the week at, we're going to make this run forever. Forever. I mean, with very little effort, because it's just kind of what we do naturally. My mind does immediately go to one of those two shows. Immediately. Um, ben, what's your next pick? My next pick is one that I'm, I'm cheating a little bit on, because I've actually seen the pilot episode, and so have you, Liz. Uh, it's Cameron Crowe's first, uh, first scripted series for TV, which is called Roadies. Yes. Um, Good cast on that one. It's got a great cast. I mean, you've got Luke Wilson, Carla Gugino, you've got Imogen Poots, um, actually, it's it's sprawling with with a lot of different people um, working within the the confines Louis of this Guzman drama. Yeah, role. he's very good uh, as always. But yeah, I mean, we saw the pilot back in January. Um, it's something they've been kind of working out the kinks with. They've had some some recasting. Christina Hendricks was originally attached. She's been uh, she left uh, and was replaced by Carla Gugino. Um, they've they've been working around with scripts. They've been kicking this thing around. But frankly, what we saw it very much was in the tone of of Cameron Crowe. I mean, it just, you could feel his presence in that. That's definitely something that if you're a fan of his, even, you know, his best stuff and not his his worst stuff, um, that's something that you're going to want to come back to on a week-to-week basis, which is why I think this TV show could really work, even if it is flawed. And there's definitely some question marks about where it's going to go and and what's in there, and there's a lot of sentimentality. Um, Frankly, this might sound odd, but I, I would say that if you love the best of Cameron Crowe, if you're an almost famous fan, then you're probably in good enough shape to check this out. And if you tolerate or found moments in a comedy like We Bought a Zoo, you're going to be great. You're going to love the hell out of this thing. Um, but really, where it goes from that pilot will be fascinating to, to watch no matter what, and I'm very excited to see it. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's interesting. I feel like when I heard that Luke Wilson was going to star in it, I was like, perfect. That is a guy who belongs on TV. Um, sorry, the film Home Fries, written directed, written by Vince Gilligan, but it did not make a breakout star of Luke Wilson. And despite doing a lot of great ensemble work, like this is a this feels like a really nice move for him at this time. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely you know got a star quality behind him. I mean, he's got a lot of cult hits in his in his repertoire, from Idiocracy to uh, you know a few more out there, like in, in the ensemble Wes Anderson vein, but. Uh, but yeah, no, he fits perfectly into the TV world, as does a lot of these characters. But what's interesting about the show is that they do spend a lot of time opening it up, showing you know behind the scenes how these productions get put on. But beyond that, you know, the, the crow aspect to it that really counts is the passion that these people have for their job, for this for this project, and and not only you know just like oh man, we're doing it and we love it and we're so lucky it kind of really balances the the real world aspects and then takes you out of those real world aspects to let them make decisions um, that only they can really understand it's it's an interesting show and how they develop that down the line will obviously be key to its success but uh, but yeah no I'm very excited for for roadies no uh, I'm trying to remember uh, are there any camera uh, any Aaron Sorkin s speeches about duty and honor uh, over the course of the pilot I forget um, they have at least, they have some moments where I feel like something like that would fit. I don't think there's actually a, a big speech. You kind of see it more in action than, than in words, but there's a little moment. Like I remember 
there's the moment early in the pilot where they all kind of grasp hands and have like a moment to talk about what they were getting ready to do. They're standing in the empty arena mm-hmm. before they set everything up. And, you know, it's just this loyal band of few who are putting together this thing, this legendary rock band. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's sentimental. It's got some, some cheesy moments for sure. But the, for me, it worked. And it'll be interesting to see for how many more people it works. Sure. Uh, but Liz, what's next? Oh, sorry. Roadies comes out uh, Sunday, June 26th. But Liz, what is next on your list? Um, next on my list is a show coming out in June on Sundance Channel, uh, Sundance TV, sorry, uh, <laughs> that I I need to check it out just because it is my kind of weird. It's a, a, originally an Australian drama called, uh, called Clever Man. And essentially it's... Uh, we, Weird sci-fi sort of like mutant ant creatures are living in. Li- it's basically kind of a metaphor for the way indigenous people in uh, uh, Australia have been treated over the years. So there's this like weird, weird alien, a weird alien mutant type class of people who are ostracized from society, and then they're fighting back. And there's a lot of interesting stuff to it. Uh, the cast is good. Uh, it's got Ian Glenn, uh, who was on uh, both Downton Abbey and uh, Game of Thrones. At the same, and it would be really funny because it would be like, why is, why is that guy so attractive? Oh wait, that's right, because he's the track, the the uh, he's the, the hot older knight on uh, Game of Thrones. That was my reaction while watching Downton Abbey. <laughs> ben is shaking his head because I brought up two shows that he absolutely has no interest in. Hey, I like Downton Abbey. Downton Abbey's good. Yeah, this is one of Lady Mary's many fiancés. Good, good for her. Um, and uh, oh God, there, it's a there's a. Who was the woman who starred in The Missing? The uh, the BBC show. Oh, the stars BBC co-production. Yeah. Um, oh God, Emily? what is her name? Frances mm. O'Connor. Yeah, Frances O'Connor. Yeah, Frances O'Connor. I can oh. only think of James Nesbitt for some reason, and I don't know why I would be able to remember that name and not Frances. But Frances, but Frances O'Connor is also in it, and it looks really interesting. It it either looks really interesting or it looks really bonkers, or it looks like a bad cop, a bad ripoff of. The season, the season two plotline from uh, from Dark Angel. If anyone has ever, no one's seen Dark Angel except me. Oh, people have seen Dark Angel. Is but you do better people remember it. the season, the, the the big season two uh, finale with a conflict between uh, the oh god the transgenic people and no, you've definitely stretched it too far. Yeah, okay, uh, but it looks interesting. It looks like it looks like some, kind of the sort of weird TV that if you have a little now that the network stuff's slowing down, like you might have a little more time to check out. Uh, take a take a flyer on a weird one. Yeah, I give Sundance TV a lot of credit for their original programming. You know, they they do a lot of co-productions, um, but but honestly, just about everything that they release has got an element to it that is very different than anything else that's going to be on TV. Um, obviously, they they've got that kind of indie brand backing them, which which works really really well. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they, they put out a lot of quality stuff, so I, I think it's hard to pass up on, on most of what they're putting out there, even if it does, you know, come across as kind of weird or different or, or something that maybe isn't your cup of tea, uh, typically. Yeah. I mean, the beauty of TV these days is not everything has to be for everyone. Speaking of things that are for you, Ben, what are you looking forward to? All right. This is another one that's kind of weird. Um, I went on a set visit for this back in... February, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, it's a new Netflix original series called Stranger Things. Um, it was created by Matt and Ross Duffer, who uh, have, have limited experience. They're younger guys. Uh, they've worked on a couple of horror movies, and they're, they've put together this project that, to me, seemed a lot like a TV version of 
Super 8, the J.J. Abrams kind of Spielberg homage thing that he did with Kyle Chandler back in the day. Um, well, back in the day, it was like four or five years ago. Anyway, this one, is, it's, it's very focused on the kids. Like, the cast list isn't huge. You're not going to see a ton of names other than Winona Ryder that really stand out to you. Um, but it's, it's got a, a giant cast of kids. It's kind of a young adult thing, but it's going to be genuinely scary. Um, the effort that they've put into a lot of the production on this is, is pretty impressive. And kind of the tone that they're looking to strike will be very interesting. I can't wait to see the first trailer for this because even being on set, watching what they were doing, you, you got a sense that it could go a bunch of different ways. It could be kind of super kid-friendly, which I've been told it is not, um, or like really, really scary adult horror, which it also isn't. It's somewhere in between, but it incorporates a lot of those elements. And to me, that seemed really exciting for, for Netflix, especially because... Um, it seemed like a niche that they hadn't filled yet. Like it was something that they haven't quite touched upon and kind of seeing it through the eyes of these kids, especially if it's told in a more um, adult or, or focused on more adult audiences. I think that could be really exciting. Kind of for the tween set. It could be, but also, I mean, it, it really does seem to be playing as more of a serious drama horror with, you know, enough there to keep kids interested because it's got their perspective in it because it's coming from, uh, their voices, but it's not strictly that. It's not dumbing it down in any way. The thing I think about a lot when you when when, when Stranger Things comes up is the show uh, Granite Falls, uh, Granite Flats, right. yeah, Granite Flats, uh, which was a show I wrote about last year that was has a weird. It's a, got a weird origin story. It's like produced by produced by BYU TV, which is a Mormon owned, basically the Mormon owned equivalent of PBS, and but they really wanted to make family oriented programming that adults could watch with them and that, that was their kind of thesis statement so they did basically mad men for tweens and they had this like it's set in or no, more like manhattan the the spy show uh for tweens uh but it was like you know it was it, it was very interesting in a lot of respects good production quality um and you know that is an audience that's underserved christopher lloyd christopher lloyd was in it yep he showed up carrie yeah. elways was in it well, and what's interesting about this, uh, about Stranger Things and its and its pickup is is kind of in relation to Granite Flats. That wasn't that was on Netflix. They were yeah. streaming that, that after BYU TV aired it, and then this could have been they could have noticed that they could have noticed an algorithm. They could have seen an opportunity to get an original series, and that's why we have Stranger Things. Yeah, always remember, folks, if you if you hear about a new Netflix thing coming up, it's there's like there's a very strong chance that there is a previous thing related to that Netflix thing. Uh, that Netflix was looking at when they greenlit it. Like, say, that's a perfect correlation. Like, Chef's Table only exists because of uh, Hero Dreams, Jiro Dreams of Sushi, the uh, documentary that uh, did very well for itself uh, when, when launched on the streaming service. Uh, I sounded really formal just on the streaming service. The streaming service that is that's Netflix. The, yes, well, I mean, I, that's, that's the kind of phrasing I use when I'm writing something, and I just don't want to say Netflix over and over again in an article. Right, repetition, um, right. But uh, so anyways, yeah, that's a good pick. Well, Liz, shift it back your way. Keep us going. Don't say well, Netflix this our, again. This is our last one. This is your last one. Wait, we've done three each. Yes. Yeah. Well, you after this. Yes. Um and I'm, I'm, I'm ending it on a classy high note. I'm so scared right now. Of course, Ben, I'm going to pick CBS's Brain Dead. Of course yep. I'm going to pick that. Knew that was coming. Yep. Mary Elizabeth Winstead is going to find out what, why the aliens have eaten the brains of our politicians. She's, she's on a mission. It's the sequel to Cloverfield that you didn't ask for. But it looks great. Um, and well, 
<laughs> Great seems like a stretch it based off like, that first trailer. It, it looks, looks different. Like, it looks like a lot of fun. I really do like uh, Robert and Michelle King, who are the creators of The Good Wife as well. I think, I think if they really actually get to kind of be a goofy the goofy kind of summer entertainment that I've always come to expect from, from CBS in the summer, I will be really happy. I just want you to remember that at this time last year, we were very excited about a new CBS show that looked pretty goofy and pretty wild called Zoo, and... Ben, it didn't stop with the lions. It didn't stop at all, which is obviously part of the problem. I need to. I still need to watch it. I still need to watch more past the first episode. Do need need <laughs> is such a strong word to use when we're talking about all of this television that's out there for us to be viewing. But it's it's uh it's Bob it's Bob from uh from Mad Men <laughs> fighting lions. How is this a problem? Not great, Bob. <laughs> oh, good lord. Oh yeah. But those are what we're looking forward to. We're actually going to have a lot more picks for you to look at uh, over the next few days. We're doing our summer TV preview this week. So you'll have a breakdown of all the new and returning comedies tomorrow on, on Tuesday, uh, new and returning dramas on Wednesday, and then new and, ret- new and returning like weird limited series stuff uh, that you can be also looking forward to. Like the Olympics, or uh, I think you made me cut Sharknado. Yes, I did. No one needs to know about that. We didn't even need to mention it on the podcast. It will get enough publicity. We don't need to aid it. It's a lot like Drumpf. Yeah, good point. Okay, um, but Ben, with that all that said, what's the best? Th- what's the next thing you're looking for? What was the best thing you watched last week? The best thing that I watched, honestly, over the past few weeks, I should rephrase. It's not the best thing. Okay. But the thing that I on a weekly basis, set aside time to myself to watch and enjoy, and I regularly have been thoroughly enjoying this, is New Girl. Mm. Um, I, I've mentioned it a couple of times on the show already, I'm sure, because it, it because it's being released weekly, um, and I'm keeping up with it weekly for the most part, um, it feels like it's been, I mean, it's been on for a year now. It's been on for a very long time, whereas, you know, a lot of other shows, you know, you binge them and you kind of forget about them until the next cycle. This feels like it's been on for a long time, so I'm sure I've talked about this before. I will not apologize for it, though, because every episode is just, it just makes me happy. Like, it, it's not filling the Parks and Rec slot where I'm, like, overwhelmed with joy, mm-hmm. but it's kind of like a Band-Aid on a bullet wound where it's like, you know, this this is, it's helping a little bit. Like, it's 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 making it a little bit easier to transition. And frankly, Max Greenfield, I mean, come on, guys. We got to get behind him. Like, this is an incredible performance. He has created a character that is just up there with, with the best of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Schmidt, I mean, come on. And he's getting married in the finale. That's why I'm bringing it up. The finale is Tuesday. Uh, it's going to be a two-parter. It's got Coach coming back with Damon Wayans Jr. Uh, it's got Megan Fox, who took over for uh, Zoe Deschanel mid-season while she was off for maternity leave, I believe. Jury duty. Uh, oh, well, her character was on jury duty, I believe. Zoe yes. was on maternity leave. But uh, but no, it, the, the finale is on Tuesday. Very excited for it. It's paired up with The Grinder, and frankly, that sounds like the perfect night of comedy to me. Awesome. Liz, best thing you watched last week. So over the course of the weekend, I really dug in and I did some catching up with The Good Wife uh, so as I could, so, so as to watch the finale uh, last night in, in decent preparation. The finale was not great, Bob. Um, can't, can't, can't not let that slip out. Uh, but the finale was not great. But I actually, I, I feel like The Good Wife got a really 
harsh, got some really harsh criticism this season, especially in regards to bringing in new actors to replace, you know, characters now long gone. But I was like, no, come on, Jeffrey Dean Morgan's great. And I've never said that about Jeffrey Dean Morgan before, but he was playing a character I really liked. And Ben is just shaking his head. You, you, you realize it's a podcast, and the only person who can see this is me. Yeah, it's fine. Jeffrey Dean Morgan is staring at me right now from our from our collage on the wall, and I feel the same way. I don't know if I've ever been excited to see Jeffrey Dean Morgan. I was anything. I was not anticipating liking his character character so much. And also, it's worth shouting out. There's a an actor named Kush Jumbo who's a young woman who's what a name. It's a great name, Kush Jumbo. That's that yeah. sounds like a football player's name or, or like somebody who's out there like just. But no, it's fishing. A, it's a very. It's a, she's a very very nice, very attractive young lady who, uh, basically kind of joins up uh, to fill in kind of the 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 absence left by uh, uh, Kalinda leaving the show last season. You know what I just realized? What? This brings it full circle. Cush is the name of the quarterback who was going to be drafted in Jerry Maguire that he was oh. fighting over. He was the Cush man, and he wrote that terrible that's song right. on his guitar. Jerry O'Connell. That's Yes, Jerry O'Connell. Uh, and that's obviously a Cameron Crowe film, and yeah. that circles back to roadies. And boom, I'm done. See you later. Yeah. Bye, Ben. Um, I'm just going to keep talking about Kush Jumbo for a little while. Um, but I, I knew I knew the name, so I looked it up. And she was in a miniseries that I highly urge you check out uh, if you like really good miniseries, just flat out. It's one of the best five hours of television I've ever seen. But Torchwood, colon, Children of Earth, which is this kind of standalone segment from the Torchwood Doctor Who universe, is objectively great. And she plays a major character in that. And it, she, I was like, oh, it's Lois Abiba. That's lovely. Um, I just love that you put the, you said colon, Torchwood colon. I've been doing that a lot lately, and I don't know if it's becoming like a quirk or a tick or something, but I feel compelled to spell out all punctuation. Eventually there will be an essay on it. Don't you worry. <laughs> you will write it. About, about colon? About colon in titles, yeah. yeah. Like Batman v. Superman colon Dawn of Justice? God, that abomination on, <laughs> in every way. Yes, indeed. But anyways, uh, Good Wife was... Uh, I, I I did not hate the Good Wife season seven the way apparently other people did, and I thought there was a lot of good stuff. And I mean, in, in general, that show just consistently always pleased me and dug into things in a way that intrigued me, and I will miss it. My favorite thing about The Good Wife forever will be that it challenged the Emmys voters to reconsider their position on what matters when you're writing great television, like specifically to the quantity. Like Mm -hmm. in their campaigning, they specifically pointed out how they're writing 22 episodes, 23 episodes a year. And then I remember specifically, this was when True Detective was getting nominated Mm -hmm. uh, in the drama series category for season one. And it was, it was, it had eight. Yeah. So, I mean, how you compare those things. And I wrote a long essay on the, on the time. And obviously, quality probably wins out. You couldn't just write, like, if season seven really is as bad as people have said, or even if it's just not great, then you're not going to nominate that just because of, you know, the number of episodes. But if you write great television, you can sustain it for 22 episodes. I mean, think about that. That would mean, like, almost three full seasons of True Detective were good instead of just the one. Mm. I mean, that presumes that True Detective was good. The first season was good. Okay. Great. Sure. The best, even. All right. Um, oh, I, the only thing, other thing I want to mention about The Good Wife is it is hella confusing when Peter Gallagher and Chris Noth are both on the same show. And I never want that to happen ever again. 
Peter Gallagher is also on the New Girl finale. He is Schmidt's father, and it is perfection. Aww. OC reference. What's yes. up? It is an OC reference. Uh, so anyways, Ben, what's the next thing you're looking forward to? The next thing I'm looking forward to is something that's being billed a little deceptively online in a lot of different areas, but it's kind of hard to sell it otherwise, and that is the Simpsons Live episode. And it's not an episode. Mm-hmm. It's a segment. Right. It's about three minutes at the end of the episode in which Homer, the character, will answer questions from the audience at home. Um, the, the, the voice actor will be using motion capture technology to respond in a way where it looks as though Homer is just naturally talking back and forth to you. Um, they've discussed uh, Al Jean, the executive producer, has been doing a lot of press for this, and he discussed kind of how many different facial movements and lip movements specifically that Homer can make before it starts to look repetitive, and that tops out at about three minutes, so that's why they're keeping it that way. Um, But they're very excited about it, and frankly, I'm very excited to see how it fits, and I love what The Simpsons continues to do. They maybe don't do it as regularly as they could if they weren't making 22 episodes a year, Um, but, you know, for a show that's been on forever... The fact that they're still pushing the boundaries like this is pretty exciting stuff, and I, I'll definitely be tuning in to see that. Will you be tuning in live the way they clearly want you to? I'm going to try. I mean, Sundays are tough. There's yes. A, there's, a lot, there's a lot of work to be done on Sundays uh. over at IndieWire, but, uh, but if I can, I will definitely be there. Nice. Uh, Liz, what is the next thing you're looking forward to? Ben, I'm very upset with NBC for their being withholding, and they are not bringing me Aquarius footage of any sort, and I desire it deeply. You're damn right. Yeah. Where are our, where is David Duchovny? Where are the hippies? Where, who, who's beating up the hippies? I don't know. Why have I not seen footage of David Duchovny shirtless beating the shit out of a boxing bag? Yeah, where is that? He's got a train to beat up those hippies. Yeah. And it gets hot in California. Good Lord, NBC. Get it together. That show premieres in like a month, and you haven't released one trailer, and I'm I'm, I'm losing it. I'm frankly losing it. What if they pull a Beyonce and they just drop this on us, like, without any forewarning? They're like, hey, it's coming out. And then we just keep bugging them about it, and they just keep saying nothing. And then all of a sudden, it's just like, all of Aquarius, go. Well, to be fair, I haven't actually nagged them at all about it. This is the closest I've come to it. And this is pretty solid nagging. Everyone oh. unite. I don't, can we think of a hashtag really quickly? Like, um, mm, uh, Damn hippies? Damn hippies. I don't know if that's specific enough to Aquarius. Maybe at tag... David Duchovny yeah. and then, put, let's just, let's and then just hashtag all... damn hippies. Yes, there you go. That, that, where let's... are my damn hippies? Where are my damn hippies? But don't hashtag that. Just say where are my hashtag damn hippies. Yes. Or, you know, have fun with it, guys. Yes. This is a campaign. We're going to make something happen. <laughs> yes, but it's very important that we do this because uh, Aquarius season one was fun. It tried some things. I'm I like, loved it. <laughs> you did not. I thought it was great. You gave it like an A minus. No, I gave it like a B plus. Okay. But I thought it was great. <laughs> yeah, I mean... David Duchovny, well, you, David Duchovny beat up hippies, and we don't need to talk necessarily about Charles Manson. Period setting. Yeah. David Duchovny. Yeah. Beating up hippies. Yep. Uh, Gaius, Gaius Charles. Gaius Charles. Gaius Charles uh, as the leader of the Black Smash Panthers. Baby. <laughs> Smash Baby. Smash <laughs> Baby. Uh, yeah, I mean, what else do you look at? I mean, it was great. I really enjoyed it. I can't wait for season two. And I hope they release it all at once again. I, I, I. I'm already into you for like three sandwiches, but I, I'm pretty sure they're not doing that. Yeah, I don't want to make a sandwich bet on it because, frankly, I don't want to embarrass Liz anymore. God. They're not, they, that was not a successful experiment. I am going to have a week where I just get sandwiches every day brought to me by Liz, and it's going to be wonderful. You're going to save up your sandwich bet? 
you're, I only owe you like one sandwich. Gonna right be now. two. <laughs> that just starts the train. Oh, good lord! No, yeah, we'll, we'll figure that out. We'll figure out how many sandwiches uh, I have to buy Ben, and you may find us mentioning it on IndieWire.com, where you'll find reviews, interviews, features as well, actual things that you're interested in, not just the nature of our betting. And if you want to listen to people who probably aren't going to make sandwich bets, but will tell you vital information about the film industry, uh, Can Ann Thompson has left for Can. Like she's getting ready to. She's in New York. Overseas. She is. She's like poised to leap into Can. She's gonna. I mean, she's like gonna take that thing over. It's very exciting time. So make sure you listen to Screen Talk with our own Eric Cohn and Ann Thompson uh, weekly. Yeah. Every Friday. Every Friday. And if you want to find Ben on Twitter, you can find him at Ben T Travers. And if you want to find Liz on Twitter, you can find her at Lizlet, and that's with an I and an E. Correct. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. And as always, keep watching television. Mm-hmm.